yesterday we we just happened to grab a drink just on a Sunday and, and he's um he works in our he, he's our newest reporter. Um um actually we're not recording it, are we? Oh, we're going right now. Oh, really? Yeah, right now. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. So we'll start right now then. But no, I was with a colleague and it was just like, um, we were just talking about how it was like, boy, some of my early stuff, um, and just both of our, some of our early stuff, you're like, man, I did not understand what was going on. Um, like, like, yeah, you just, you just kind of look back and you just cringe and don't even really reread it. Like you just, uh. You're like, geez, that was really bad. But you figure it out, and then you figure out how to, like, navigate pitfalls. Um, and some of that's good, because then also knowing you're capable of being bad is probably pretty humbling, um, because then, you know, with something like what happened with the basketball players and with them reaching out and working with them, and actually not just that, like, other stuff I did a little bit before that, but of course this too, you're just nervous of, like, letting people down. Um, and that's probably, like, a good thing, because it's, like, you should humble yourself um, I think sometimes some of the journalists I encounter don't humble them, like in my education, at least. Um, not like here, but in my education old past, um, they just weren't that humble. They were like, well, you brought it to me and now it's mine. Well, it's easy to fall into that flow state where you just get relaxed and then you don't yeah. work as hard. You don't care as much. You're almost just pushing paper. Like, I'm just but I think it's also this. like it's like an ownership thing. It's like they feel like all of a sudden they've taken the story and it's theirs. And I don't know that. Yeah, I mean, sure, there's a bit of truth to that. I just don't think that there's like that's a healthy way to operate. I don't think that's a healthy way to think. I don't think that that's yeah, I don't think that that's very empathetic. And I like to think that the approach of having some empathy helped with the players being able to be really honest um, and 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 helped the direction of that story. So yeah. do you think that's a framing issue? That they want to maintain control because they want to see it in their own vision, and they're worried that no, if I think you it's narcissism. It's narcissism. <laughs> yeah, that slips in there too, right? It is. No, you just like it's like. I mean, can you imagine? I, I think I would. Let me think of it this way. Maybe even another way that I, I think is a handy, cool thing with journalism, and, and we could talk about maybe. I don't know that we have to go super broad, like I'm some expert in journalism, but I, I, I did. Um, yeah, I got actually like a little bit about me. So like before, this is my first job. I switched careers. I worked, I did my undergrad in theater um, and then I moved to New York and then I, I was just kind of living there and I worked at Apple um, and actually became like IT certified um, through my experience there. So I worked in like technical and, and would do kind of checking in devices for repairs, so regular stuff at the Apple store. Um, but, but you know, it was a cool experience, um, and they paid pretty well, which was cool. So that was doesn't that was hurt. Nice. That was nice. But I was like, of course, I want to do something else. And I said, all right, let me see what I want to do. So I applied and, and got into the Columbia University for their journalism school for their 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 graduate school of journalism, and um, and then that was where I got my and then my first job out of that, still kind of having no experience, was to 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 come out here um, and write for the Times Standard. So so that was like a little bit about that. But going back to the Columbia thing and and about journalism is it's like there were these yeah i just think with journalism one thing that's interesting is like i mean how many people do you trust you know what i'm saying like like think about what it takes to trust a stranger think about what it takes for people who maybe have been burned like for something like this like they've been burned by somebody that they trusted um is sort of what the players were expressing so when you are working with someone like that like how do you earn that trust and just in general i just think like, would I trust a stranger? Like, I probably wouldn't. 
And not like, just a stranger, but a stranger that's going to try to write your story yeah. and frame it and, you know, put it out there on their thing. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's your, you're, yeah. Like someone you're trusting, not only is it, are you telling these kind of deep, vulnerable things? Um, but yeah, it's someone who has to frame that. Um, I mean, like I only used a little bit, the latest article um, had someone on the record, which was Caleb. Um, and I, I actually still probably wouldn't feel comfortable speaking too much for them and his experience. I mean, it, what's written is written. But his, you know, I spoke with his father as well. His father was quoted for the article towards the end. And of course, I, I said it. He became emotional. He was, he said it himself, I think, in, in the transcript. You know, it's just like, that's so tough for a parent, you know? That's so tough for a parent to, like, have that concern for your child. Um, that's something I can't understand. I'm not a parent. But, like, when you have someone sharing that with you, like, I just think it's weird that that doesn't trigger something in your brain that you have really tapped into something that's fragile and needs to be respected. So let's start there because that's how I came across you was mm -hmm. your story about the Cal Poly Humboldt men's basketball team. Mm -hmm. What is going on there? Because it sounds like yeah. it's a shit show. Uh, well, right. Alleged. That, that alleged. Be yeah, the, for the lawyers. Alleged? alleged shit show. So, so that we can, you know, dot our eyes. I mean, the accounts speak for themselves. The quotes from players speak for themselves. I... I think one thing that I can say, like how many former, I mean, from this year's team, I think I'm up to 10 players that I've spoken with. So yeah, I mean, obviously there's more players that I've spoken with than haven't. Um, I think it's eight or nine or 10. Um, so, but definitely the majority of the team I think I've spoken with at this point. And, um, and of course I'm not going to reveal who that is, maintain their anonymity, but like, I do think it's really interesting, of course, when you have that many people that say the same thing and that want to really put it out there. I mean, athletics, a lot of people maybe will tell you as an aside, hey, I didn't really like this person. I didn't really like, and that's life, right? I mean, just at anybody's job, there's somebody you don't like, there's somebody you work with that you don't like. A lot, it takes a lot for someone to say to, I think, and especially for athletes, to cross that line of where they're saying, no, something's really wrong. We really think something is really wrong. Um, and one thing I will say, and I think I can say this, I, I alluded to it in the articles, um, is that the players, um, I'm so sorry. No problem. Might be a call. Do you want to take that? This story. No, it's okay. It's okay. Um, a due diligent yeah. journalist. Always I, aware, right? I just, I get these calls. Um, so I'm, I'm going to put that on, on silent. I'm so sorry about that. No problem. I do not do serve. Um, the, yeah, it's, I, I just think it's something where they thought it crossed a line and, and I alluded to the fact that several of the players that I spoke with were starters. They were guys who were not in a position that had a gripe. That had, they're not riding the bench. They're, yeah, they're not right. And by the way, I mean, for, for the record, even the players, you know, who maybe didn't get playing time, I, I think that their accounts synced up really well. Like, I think that's something that you just can never convey in an article, but it was something where it was like, guys were saying the same thing. You know, you would interview somebody and they would bring up verbatim something that someone else had brought up, like without me asking. Um, so, so there was some, yeah, it was, it gave me a lot of confidence in what was going on and, and. 
yeah, like I said, it's delicate. Feel free to sh- ask away. Like I'm not, well, I'm so never people, afraid. But but I'm t- I have to think about what I can. Yeah, say. you have to walk a lot. I'm over here yeah. just shooting from yeah. the hip. Yeah. For people that aren't familiar with the ongoing situation, sure. What is happening with the men's basketball program? Yeah. Um. So the allegations that the players are, are have leveled against the university that I reported on, um. And and not just verbally. I, I also, as I wrote in the article, there were emails that that did paint a picture that the university was made aware that. Um, and and I want to, yeah. I mean, they just the conduct of you know coach coach Norwood, um, and they also the broader athletic department. They just thought it was out of line. I mean, I think a lot of the basketball players obviously felt that that for the head coach it was his behavior just was was crossed a line. And a lot of them had experience at prior universities where whether it was verbal abuse um, that they were kind, they were saying, you know, he, he would verbally abuse them. I, I, one thing we wrote about was sort of, um, and something that came up a lot was the presence of basically staying in high-end hotel suites. Um, that he always had the presidential. That, yeah, yeah, that's what they said, you know. And the students are like two to a bed, three, two, three so, to a bed. So, yeah, I think I think one of the quotes was it was three to a room, um, four to a room. I, I, you know, we would love to see the documents. We've asked, um, and we'll put in a formal public records request to see their expense reports and and verify that that's true or not true. Um, but that was what the player said. One player was on the team in 2020 and um, the first year and said it was the same. He was on the team this year, and and he said it was the same. Um, so that was something, and then of course the hookah being present at on road trips, which was, um, I know a few players had said that they were offered hookah. You know that's kind of strange, I think, and I think that was, yeah. Some people were really agitated by it. Some people would just thought it was strange. Um, but it's like you know your athletes. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to, it's, it would be road trips sometimes the night before a game. It's like, I'm not trying to smoke tobacco. I take my body seriously. Um, and maybe that's a separate thing we could even explain is like, you know, division two athletics is a serious, that's a serious business. Um, it is, that's where scholarships start. I think that's something to be clear about is the, at the NCAA division two level, um, you go division three or NEIA, that's not really the case. Um, I mean, there are scholarships involved, but division two is where it really gets regulated and, and it just becomes a much more serious uh, business. And I mean, to be a division two basketball player, I do maybe want to say also just to get to that level is astonishingly, I mean, serious. I, I mean, and especially in basketball and I played football, um, in high school, I played a pretty, pretty good. I mean, I played with an NFL first round pick. Um, so we were pretty good high school and I knew some guys that went on and, and all that to say is it's just like, you can kind of finesse your way through football. Maybe, maybe you're kind of pretty good, but you make your way, you walk on on a division one, you know, there's 90 guys on a team. You can't fake it in basketball. Like if you're a division two scholarship player or just on the division two level, like you are, that's a lifetime of ath- of athletics that means a lot of cases you might be once in a generation from your high school like you might be a once in a generation player like my high school was not granted was not great at basketball but we never i mean we i can't remember that we ever in a decade that i'd ever been there heard about it us sending a player to a division two to a humboldt state level college like it's a rarity um and i think that's important to just recognize that that it's not these are guys who dedicated their life to that sport. So when they when they want to talk about these things, um, yeah, I think we should listen. And so 
Jumping back for a second, it yeah, seems sorry. like this. No, it seems like this started in 2020. When did Coach Norwood come onto the program? Yeah, in, t- in 2020. In 2020. Um, that was his first year. And so he goes out, decides he wants to build up this team to actually be something. He wants to make a, a winning think, team. I think if you look, so this most recent article, right? Those were accounts, four of them, one on the record, four players from that team. Um, so granted, there's probably still some work for me to do before I, I speak fully about the 2020 team, but for who, yeah, for, for, for that team, from what the guys we spoke to is it was sort of like, yeah, at that point it's COVID. You're probably just trying to maintain your players. Ultimately you're just trying to probably from, from a, just a norm, any strategy, not just his, cause I'm not trying to speak for him, but I think any coach that comes in is just like, how do I keep as many, keep my options open? How do I have as many resources um, to handle, to, to build a basketball program. Um, so a lot of guys were kind of convinced to come in. Um, I mean, I think then maybe now's a good time to, maybe we could, yeah, bring up Caleb and what he had to say. He was a player. I mean, I just, that most recent article really was intent, you know, cool for me to write. It was a cool opportunity. Um, but it was, um, his story is just amazing. He was at San Diego state. He walked on, um, was there for two years. They were 30 and two. 2019 to 2020 they would have been probably a number one seed in the ncaa tournament and then COVID happens there is no postseason caleb had been a walk-on wasn't playing as much as he'd hoped but was enjoying he said well let me see what i can do what i can bring and and um you know in his own words he just kind of said i think norwood was exactly he knew exactly what i was looking for and pitched me on it he said this is gonna be a professional program i need people like you you know to you know i think Okay, was with the feeling was that he was being recruited to help bring his experience in. Um, and then ultimately, as he kind of alluded to in the article and as other players alluded to, it was it wasn't used once he was there. You know, in fact, probably the fact that he was older, I think he was probably older than most of the guys on the team at that time. I think he was probably just 21, 22. He was he was like willing to speak his mind, willing to say, Hey, can I think, you know, try and speak him for other players and it just was shut down it sounds like every single every single time he tried to do that well that seems to be a recurring theme is that norwood would try to recruit these guys by selling them a bill of goods and then they come to the school and realize oh this is not what we were promised yeah as terms of I, the work the facilities the the atmosphere of i mean the coaching. We, yeah like i think probably that seemed to be more aggressive this last year i don't know that if we're being honest it started back in 2020 I mean, I don't know that that – I think it was a different set. I think guys felt that they they weren't recruited, honestly. Um, they say similar things. But I don't know that they it was maybe – yeah, I mean, they didn't say anything. I, I shouldn't – I don't want to put words in their mouth. Um, you know, they didn't say the same types of things that the guys from this year's team said, which obviously, like, there were these guys that – there was a lot of guys who transferred in and were like, no, you know, we're told <laughs> – multitudes of different things um as they as they explained that they were they were told these different things and um yeah ultimately it was just um they showed up and they said this isn't you know what you know they talked about the meals on the road they talked about they thought they were going to get a nutritional program they thought that their housing uh situation was going to be better than it was and ultimately they were yeah, shocked and pretty disappointed at once they got here, which is probably, yeah, that's probably not a good, 
anything. Yeah, it's not good to come up here and realize, oh, I have to pay for my housing out of pocket. It's not in my scholarship. Yeah. I mean, again, another thing that I would love to know more about as far as the finance, the exact finances um, and and get expense reports. And we'll see if we can get that data. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think nevertheless, it probably set the table for the season where it was. I, I did think maybe if I was to say my own opinion, it just felt like that wasn't an efficient strategy. I don't know that guys are going to be bought in when they are showing up and they already feel there's a disparity between the recruiting pitch and what's happening. What's about to happen for the next couple months. Yeah. So did, so this air of toxicity, this seems to be referred to Mm -hmm. the inappropriate coaching style, the inappropriate behavior. Did that kind of reach its peak this last season? Was it like a gradual increase of of name calling of kind of threatening students to yeah, perform? Yeah, I I do feel that again, based on the players and what they said, there were guys that were from last year's team and even from the twenty twenty team, um, that that said that they they said that this year was the worst, um, just in their view. I, I'm not. I always kind of would ask. Why? I mean, I definitely think it was worse than last year. It seemed like the tone, again, me kind of interpreting what they had to say was that that 2021, 2022 was maybe a little bit more manageable. Um, I think guys talked about certain things that they didn't like, things that represented a, eventually a pattern of, of, of what they considered to be misconduct. Um, but in 20, yeah, in 2022 and 2023, yeah, those same players that have been there basically all said it, you know, in their own words, that it was worse. Um, I mean, why exactly? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, I think one thing we talk about in the first article is the mental health stuff. That was pretty... That's a big issue that's brought up. That was pretty shocking. Um, And not just the guys who went through it, but I think multiple people attested to the fact, the players said that there was a comment that was made during a game where if you have mental health issues, you'll be kicked off this team. Um, and that was just a lot of players that they came up. They kept saying that that happened. And I think maybe that was one of the things that was pretty shocking is maybe that it went to that level. That might have been a, a tipping point, yeah, based on the interviews we had. Reading your first article, I wasn't sure, because it seemed like there were more coming. I wasn't sure where they were going to go. because. Part of me thought that, oh, maybe this is just, this guy's trying to build a competitive team, so he's being hard on the kids. Mm-hmm. He's running them six-hour practices a day, and I think the NCAA standard is like four or 20 mm-hmm. hours in four, a week. Four, 20 hours in a week. So he's pushing them, mm-hmm. I think would be an understatement to say. He's pushing these kids to try to build something, and then you have these kids talking about you know their mental health, and then it starts taking the side of you know, kids getting a little suicidal and you're like, okay, this is getting a little alarming. Mm -hmm. And then you hit your third article and you realize, oh, this is just kind of a cluster. Mm -hmm. You have students that they're going to these away games and they're getting $12 a day for food, sometimes Mm -hmm. not eating for nine hours Mm -hmm. and just having to perform. It's like, what are we do? What are we doing right now? Where is this going? I mean, one point, I think one player, I don't know that we put it into the article. I'll just say, it, yeah, again, I know that this was part of an interview. This was what a player said, and it didn't make it into the article, but this was one perspective. And actually, just to be clear, there's a lot that I didn't use. I mean, 
there's a lot that's that maybe can still be included in future articles. I'm not going to say I'm not going to rule it out, but it was just stuff that guys had certain individual things that they said that I mean the stuff that I ran and printed and wrote about I think was was all stuff that multiple people had attested to. I don't think anything was short of at least two people saying that it happened and usually more than that. Um, but like we had one player who basically said that for the team's last game that they just didn't also feel like that not only was meals an issue, but they were asking for, you know, he was bitter. And, and again, maybe take, take this what you will, but he was bitter because they didn't practice sufficiently in his view before the team's final game. Um, meaning that he, in his view, he was a shooter and he was like, I needed to adjust, you know, he said something to the effect of like, I needed to shoot in that gym. I needed to be able to kind of just get my sight lines kind of lined up and sort of that the response was every court's the same. It doesn't matter. We're not going to do that. Um, and I don't know, again, I wasn't there, so I don't know exactly how much they did or didn't practice, but I just know the players were to express dissatisfaction and they went out and, Actually, if you look at that game, I wrote about it at the time. They played a pretty good game against Sonoma State, um, except for they couldn't shoot. <laughs> so it's it's really interesting that they they later correlated. They were like, well, we couldn't. They felt that they couldn't shoot because they weren't dedicating the right amount of time. And I think that's sort of interesting is what they were saying about just sort of dysfunction. The players were trying to explain is like sometimes it would be too much hard work, and then other times. It wouldn't be enough. I mean, so it's almost inefficient in how practices were structured. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what they were trying to characterize is like is is just dysfunction. Um, yeah, ultimately, I think that's that's some of it. I one thing. Let's maybe let me say this because it it'll 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 give you my opinion and really just take away from humble. I'm not really. Let's just. I'm not trying to take away from or regardless of what humble is or isn't. Let's just set that aside. What I do think in basketball, in my experience, just observing basketball for a long time and 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 in my you know graduate school education in journalism, which granted is not perfect, but I do think that a lot of coaches would attest to the fact that there's players coaches and then there's kind of like hard coaches. And I would say that there is a lack of maybe cohesive strategy where it's like, hey, do you want to have homegrown players? Do you want to have homegrown players? Do you want to develop a system? Do you want to coach them hard? Um, you know, that's something that that works probably. If you want to, then there's. Do you want to bring in, you know, half your roster as transfers um, from other schools? I don't know that you can develop that sort of hard coaching mentality. And, and again, I also say this. That's like that's probably my opinion, but that's also something that was reflected in conversations with the players. Is it was sort of like. Is this gonna be a? I think some guys kind of they they had a tolerance for high for harsh coaching, but like we're not going to, you know, that wasn't maybe some guys were like that wasn't what I was sold on. You know, some guys came here as as um, graduate transfers, and it's like or, or close to that, and it was just like yeah, I don't. I thought this was gonna be. I'm a mature guy, so let me do my work. I think maybe is what they were trying to say. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't want to speak too much for them. I always get nervous <laughs> when I want to, with with characterizing their thoughts. But like, it, I think it was just sort of, 
it wasn't cohesive. At the end of the day, I don't think guys understood what the vision was. And um, some guys don't thrive under that kind of energy. When I was reading that first article, I kept thinking of you hear these stories from Jordan and about how ruthless he was mm-hmm. to his teammates. And so part of me kind of wanted to attribute that to this situation and think, oh, well, maybe, you know, he's just trying to almost beat him into the grindstone to build him back up better in mm-hmm. a way. But I think you could make the argument there's a difference between a coach doing that and a player doing that. If your coach mm-hmm. is just shitting on you constantly and just running you into the ground and you guys aren't making progress, what's the point? Yeah. We're just being abused to be abused in a sense. Yeah, I think I think also maybe this day and age too, I think, I don't think the player said this, but maybe, so this is maybe my speculation. Um, I do think that it's like you can... We live in a different society. Actually, let me pivot. Let me say this. Let's, again, try and live it, leaving a humble basketball. But I'll tell you some of the reaction I got, right? I, I had mentioned it. there were some people who respectfully emailed me or, or reached out or made comment. I mean, I don't know. I heard there were comments on Facebook that maybe weren't respectful, but I didn't read those. Um, but Smart decision. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like the players got more of the, the pain of that than, than I did because um, the players mentioned they said, Boy, some guys are really killing it. Yeah, they're kind of killing us in the comments. Um, But I know for the emails I got that people are like, well, okay, they're stuck up. You know, they shouldn't have done that. They should have handled it internally, this and that. And again, actually, let me just set this aside. Okay, I will answer those critics to say this. I don't think that we're not in the same society that we were in 20 years ago, for better or for worse. You know, maybe you think people should be more hardline. Maybe we should have more of a tolerance for for grit and grind and 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 intensity or what have whatever you whatever words you want to use to characterize that where where you don't think it crosses a line. The truth is, and I don't. Where in real life do you find that anymore? Like, go look at a company. Look at Apple. I worked at Apple. Look at Apple or Google. Like, do you think they're those are some of the highest paying corporate jobs, right? I mean, if we're talking about people being successful in life after sports, right? Well, that would be great if you could get a job at Google. I mean, and I don't know that, that you know, I'm not saying what players would study if that could work or not, but I'm just saying, I think if you're moving on to a corporate structure like that, you it doesn't work to be an asshole. Well, that's another interesting like, comparison because Steve Jobs was the biggest asshole. Sure. Right? Sure. But even then, right? Is that how Apple's run anymore? Like, so again, that's why I'm saying, like, I'm not trying to say it's right or wrong. Maybe you think our society shouldn't be that way, um, you know, one way or the other. But we, that's not how the world works anymore. That's not how, and actually, I will say this, again, kind of going a little bit broader, but I think it's really true. There's a sort of, whatever you want to call it, natural selection or capitalist workers, talented workers don't tolerate that, right? So let me, so if you're literally, you can go and look this, like look at Facebook when people, former employees talk about that and what they did. They were like, yeah, I got paid well. I didn't like the culture at Facebook. It was gritty. It it was toxic. It was whatever. So they went to, they go to other companies that are softer environments. Apple is kind of known for having a more softer environment. Google was known for having a more softer environment. So my point is the talented people, like there's a brain drain that happens out of Facebook. And I think that happens in a lot of companies. Like a lot of people don't want to be in that environment. You could even say there's similar sensations. Um, Again, I lived in New York and and not that I was super locked in with this, but I heard things. Like there's similar things at like 
you know, wealth management firms. Like there's the classic Wall Street, like maybe money, money, money. The finance bro. But there are a lot of people that were fed up with that. And then you actually hear these kind of rumblings that some of the most successful firms have a much more casual, maybe passive aggressive, but a much more casual culture. I think all that to bring it back in, say what you will, but I don't think, I mean, it's just a balancing act. The players will decide. Like the players in athletics, and not even just these players at Humboldt, but I'm just saying in college athletics, the players will decide whether your approach works or doesn't work. Um, they'll decide via recruiting, and then it'll show on the court. So if the approach, if you're bringing in great players and they're happy and they love you, that's sort of probably one way that you could say you're having success at, in collegiate athletics. I mean, um, I'm from Seattle originally, so Steve Sarkeesian, Again, I don't know anything about internally what he was, but I just know Steve Sarkeesian was a great recruiter at the University of Washington. He's in, you know, uh, we had Lorenzo Romar, actually better comparison for basketball. Lorenzo Romar was always known as sort of a player's coach. I, and again, I don't know how intense he was. I don't have any firsthand knowledge of that. But I can say that Lorenzo Romar was sending players to the NBA. Mark Fultz, Terrence Ross. Look, Just go back. Look at all the guys he sent to the NBA. UW didn't win. So Lorenzo Romar kept his job for a very long time. Because his players liked him, and he was bringing in talented players. Players wanted to come to the University of Washington and play for him. and But you didn't win, and that's sort of it. I mean, I, I do feel like those are the two metrics that most coaches are measured by, is do your players like you? Do, do they graduate? Do, do you keep bringing in recruits? And do you win? And ultimately, bringing it back to Humboldt, Forget maybe whatever you think about the writing, whatever you think about the players, whatever you think about my reporting. Let's just set all that aside for a minute. At the end of the day, for P again, I'm speaking mostly to fans, to people who who had a problem with it. I mean, is this working? Did the team win? The team, it's a sub 500 in the past three years. They're under 500. Each season, they're under 500. They were eliminated in the first round of the conference tournament. Um you know, I don't think that that's a sign that things are going great long before there was ever me writing about what I wrote about. And I think that just maybe adds to it. Well, you're definitely right in the sense that we are not where we were in society back then, right? But there's also the counter, or not even a counter argument, but Hopefully. the idea that results do matter. Mm -hmm. And so the reason Steve Jobs could be an asshole and people wanted to work at Apple and Apple produced some incredible tech is because they produced great stuff. Mm -hmm. The reason, you know, Twitter right now under Elon Musk is run so hectically and people are working constantly and still choose to work there is because it's results driven. It doesn't feel like the current state of the basketball team is results driven. Mm -hmm. It's just this, it's driven, but it's driven into the ground. Even yeah. with Michael, at least, Maybe. yeah, he was yeah. a hard ass, and it was probably an, an incredibly miserable time to be around him, but they won, mm -hmm. they played some great basketball, and it doesn't seem like that latter half is being connected in this situation, of we're not, yeah. when it's not like he's this alleged, this terrible person, this shitty coach, and they're winning championships, and these players are going off to the NBA, no, it's shitty, and they're, they suck. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's an important part of it. I mean, I, I think we allude to it in the article and, and the players 
or I, I alluded to it in the writing, which was a reflection of the players who also alluded to it, I believe, which is just they did not have faith that this process was going to result in winning. Um, and I mean, and, and, you know, maybe the interesting thing about that, too, is it's just like that's a like I said, it's kind of about society. It's a, it's a bit of a dangerous game to play right now um in sports where it's like if that's how you're i know that that's maybe been the status quo for 40 years but ultimately now like uh, you know so again we can take this away but like let's go to rutgers i mean it was just i don't know how long ago that was that the rutgers head coach was like throwing basketballs at players and then he got fired and they were just like yeah this guy's a nut and guess you know so he was gone quite rapidly um and bob knight Got away with it for a very long time because he won. And um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know that there's a full thought, but I guess I just compare those two experiences and and you'll you kind of get the answer. It's like the leash and the tolerance for that kind of behavior is dependent on the results. Um, and I think actually that's not just external. I just think that's internal. I think the players, if they buy in to what you're you're doing, they they will have a tolerance for that. Um, Harvard hockey, women's hockey, you can look that up. Um, not that that, but, but the athletic just published, um, nationally, you know, or was it the Boston might've been the Boston globe. Um, but the athletic was the article that I read, which was citing the the Boston globe. And anyway, it's a similar, you know, similar kind of thing, actually more long period, a different, it would be a winning culture, what you would consider to be a winning culture, but nevertheless, like. Uh, even then, if if you push it too far, like, yeah, you'll have allies because if you win, but it's a dangerous game to play. I mean, I, I think that we we are entering an era where management and all that kind of has to be a little bit of a softer hand approach. I, I just think that that's for better, again, for better or for worse. I'm not here to tell you that, that that's right. Maybe maybe you can make a strong argument that it's wrong, but it's reality. And an ideal for me, I think actually maybe that's something just for me personally, when I get into these things and how I view any of this, I deal in reality. I don't deal in what I perceive to be right and wrong. I deal in reality. Well, I think we've all, anybody that's played sports has probably experienced that one shitty coach where it's just shitty for no reason, not shitty to improve the team, not shitty to make us any better, just shitty to be shitty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I did. I, (laughs) My high school football coach was like that. So, like, and, and actually, sure you guys and weren't we as willing. Oh, well. And we won. But it's hard to buy into that message when well, it just sucks. Yeah, and maybe, look, I'm not afraid to, to – I'm more than happy to be as transparent and let people deduce from my own personal experience how they think I might view things. Because, of course, that probably influenced that, – that experience, which was personal to me, does probably influence my um, – yeah, my thought process around these things. But the reason I actually say that is because it was something that I witnessed. You know, we had a coach, like I said, my high school football coach. I just, he, yeah, I'll say it. Yeah, he was not a good guy. Um, he was he was actually perfect example. Very, very smart with football. He was defensive-minded, and he was very good at, at developing a scheme and executing the scheme. Um, so, prop, you know for him he was great he was just horrible with people and and not a very good person in general um and but what i'll say is this is it is weird because at the same time even then like so my best friend was a running back but he was also a state track 
finalist in the state of Washington. So as a junior in high school, he was top eight in the state. And I think five of those guys were seniors. So he was basically one of the three fastest people, literally, in the state of Washington going into his senior year. But my, that coach, like my friend, did not take it. He was he would mouth off to him. He was like, I, you know, I, I'm not going to take your crap. I think you're an asshole. And I don't, you know, I don't care. So he didn't really play, you know. He they, they put someone else above him. And um, guess what? You know, the year after my senior year, we were in the state semifinals. We made it to the final four. Um, the next year they were five and three. And it's like, or six, five and four. And it's like, you didn't play. You had the third, one of the three fastest people in the state, and you thought he was a backup? Like, it is weird how, I, so yeah, I don't know that I believe in dictatorial coaching. I don't know that I think that that, even, even when you're really good, I don't know that it works long-term. I don't know it's sustainable long-term. Um, you could even argue Apple, you, you've mentioned Steve Jobs, but like Johnny Ives, Johnny Ives isn't like that. And who really... Steve Jobs had vision, had execute things. He also probably smartly, second time around, insulated himself from some of his lower level employees. I mean, if you kind of look, he probably dealt more with the board. I don't know that he was as hands on. You know, some people kind of, the myth of Steve Jobs kind of says maybe he was. But I think if you look at Johnny Ives and his role, I think he was just so much more instrumental in Apple. And I think Johnny Ives was, and eventually Tim Cook, who, became close to Steve Jobs and, of course, succeeded him. Those were both guys that probably kept Steve's worst impulses from affecting the rest of the company. Um, and those guys were, again, Johnny, I, I think it's pretty well documented. Johnny Ive is like this very zen, very, like, truly zen, not even, you know, but is a nice guy. Um, and I think I'm sure the designers that were executing these incredible products wanted to work, were happy to do it for Johnny if they weren't doing it for, you know, for Steve. Well, Steve Wozniak, right? Who seemed Steve to be Wozniak's a little more another way, yeah. mellow. Mm -hmm. But you have to wonder if, because it was, my understanding is it was Wozniak's idea. Like he basically designed the initial concept and everything. Mm -hmm. And then it took Steve to come in and say, hey, we're going to make this something. And I wonder, I mean, it's definitely a balancing act, right? Between what makes a good coach and a shitty coach and, the attitude toward the players and the willing to push them, but not over push them, right? Because you don't want to be too soft. I would yeah. imagine that leads to equally, not necessarily painful experiences, but you're not going to win if you're too soft, would you say? Or what would you say in your experience covering these, covering sports and talking to these coaches? I, Is it better to err on the side yeah, of too soft? Like maybe we could say, shoot. How about, how about this? I won't mention who the coach was, but one of the games that I covered against one of the best teams in the conference that Humboldt played, um, that coach was intense. But he was, I think th this maybe is one thing of where it works, to say nothing, again, to say nothing of Humboldt, but this was just something I thought it was fascinating to see that it probably his style was working. And he was like... There was a player, so there was a player that was complaining about a call. This was, of course, in at Lumberjack Arena in Arcata. One of his players, one of his best players, was was complaining about a call, and the coach, I believe, said again. I, I mean, it's great because I don't have to reveal who the coach was, so I guess I can can retell it in my own words. I believe he said something to the effect of, "Hey, he, the player was talking to the ref. He's like, you know, he's 
pleading his case. He's like, and the ref's kind of not having, and he just looked, he said, you know, hey, shut the fuck up. And like, you might be like, whoa. I mean, I know when I first said it, I was like, oh, this guy, like, what kind of guy is this guy? Like, he just, hey, sh you know, hey, shut the fuck up. Next play, shut the fuck up. And, but as it happens, I was sitting closer to the bench. So he comes over and they talk, and he said, hey, I'm sorry. And he just says, the thing is, we're on the road, man. Why do you think you're going to get that call? Why would you even waste energy making that call? Why would you even potentially antagonize the ref? We're probably not going to get good calls. You know, that, and that was their view. Actually, I don't think that was officiated all that poorly. But like, they were like, that was the message. So he had this message for his player. A, he stepped up immediately and kind of had the authority to try and get him back into it in the moment. And I think that that worked. But he also had the intelligence to come over and apologize to his player and say, I went too far and then explain why he went too far. And I don't know, you know, I don't know. Maybe that player still thinks is annoyed by that, but, but I do think that that approach, that was an example of an intense approach that seemed to be working where you can have that intensity. You can have that sort of dictatorialness, but you have to come back to some sort of a baseline where you maybe are capable of, of apologizing if you and recognizing maybe if you went too far, um, listening to players, which he listened to. I mean, it wasn't even just that he explained it to him. It was he listened to the player and he said, you know, it was calm. It was just like, he's like, why would you think we're going to get that call though? You know, why would you think that? And it, I just, yeah, I think that that, again, I just think that's maybe an example of a healthy environment. And, and it's tough for me to say all the examples of maybe what this constituted an unhealthy environment. Like I said, the players have their quotes in the article and they kind of explain it. But yeah, I, I think there's a line and it's difficult. Well, that's almost a perfect example of tough but fair, right? Because mm -hmm. you're tough in that moment to kind of snap your player back into it. And then you're fair by explaining, hey, this is why I did that. This is, we need to focus. It's, here's the situation that caused me to do this. It would have been different if we walked over and said, hey, what the fuck were you doing? Like, mm -hmm. Shut the fuck up. Don't talk to the refs. And just left it at that. Mm -hmm. That would have just been tough. Yeah. And then maybe the player doesn't respect you. Maybe now you have this point of friction between you and your team. And it yeah, evolves and I mean, into chaos. Yeah. And look, did I... I saw probably less functional stuff on the other sideline at Humboldt. But it, actually, at the time, though, I don't know that I recognized it, but it didn't seem great. You know, I don't know that I would have sat there and said that I witnessed a, a, as close as I was. I don't know that I would sit there and say that I witnessed any instance of full-on abuse when I was closer to the Humboldt bench uh, for all the games I was there. But it was interesting, like I said. Like I said, all, I, I, I'm not even trying to, to speak on them. I'm just trying to say, <laughs> you know, when it works, it's, it's interesting. And that's where it works. And I do think that we should listen, obviously, if players think it doesn't work. And ultimately, they are, like I said, the two barometers are what do the players think and are you winning? Those are the only two barometers that matter in this game. I mean, and again, that's not specific to Humboldt. That's everywhere. The only two things that matter are what do your players think and do you win? That's college athletics. And almost more so, what do your players think? Because if you can't even recruit players to play, you don't even have a shot at winning. Mm -hmm. You're You're... Not getting out of the gate. Yeah, and I mean, I don't, you know, and I don't, I think one player said, if this keeps up, you know, you won't have a soul playing here, something to that effect. Uh, I think that was in the, maybe the first or second article. Yeah, I think that's true. Basketball is a small world. Not a lot of people reach this level. Um, and it's not, 
probably you have to be very careful because that's that may not be sustainable. Um, you know, the players talk. Um, yeah, it, it it just may not be sustainable if if you continue to operate that way. Well, players talk, and it seems like coaches also talk because that was another recurring theme: is that there was this fear of retaliation from the coach mm-hmm. if the players spoke out or if they tried to leave the team the coach would somehow interfere in them transferring to another school. Yeah. Can we let, man, I would love to talk about that. I would really love to talk about that because I can say in really definitive terms. And again, this isn't specific to Humboldt, but this is just something that I think, again, answering some of the critics is guys, you have to, people have to understand that. So, I mean, first of all, let me think about it this way. I get it. It's awesome. Basketball. Cool. You get a scholarship to to play a sport. What a dream, right? But there's another side of it, which is whether at these Division II California state schools, you know, what is tuition? Let's just say it's 10. I don't know exactly what it could be, but let's say it's $10,000 a year. Would they can athletics college coaches at this level, I really actually, I was kind of surprised because probably I didn't fully understand it. They can, in effect, revoke your scholarship almost almost at any moment. They can pull it from you. Now, most coaches probably don't use that tactic. Like I said, it appears that based on what the players are saying, that tactic was pretty prominent. The threat of that was pretty prominent at Humble based on, on what the players were saying. But in general, the point is basically, and the reason being is you say, well, no, you can't. And it's like, no, because like team rules, I mean, you maybe have read it and I don't know that even I thought about it all that much, but you've probably read here or there, whether it was Alabama football or something, player was dismissed from the team for team for team rules. Well, team rules could be insubordination. So let's just say that like you have a coach who you don't care, you're trying to say, you, maybe he just said something in practice that was off color that you thought was really, really wrong. And you keep trying to say to him, I can't play for you until you apologize to me or, or what have you. The coach could just say, you're being, in, you know, you are questioning my authority. You, you know, you're off the team. You're off the team. Like it literally, team rules is completely arbitrary. Nobody, nobody regulates what actually, I mean, like I said, I don't, it doesn't even have to be for humble, but like you, try and ask, try and go and ask if they have like ask a university, any sport, what are your team rules that, what are the rules? What is the violation? What's the punishment? What's the structure? They get to choose it entirely. They can shape it however they want. There's nobody, nothing says that you have to. So now let me bring it back to this. Why did I mention the scholarship thing? Imagine you have a job and your job is $10,000 a year and maybe they cover your housing, right? And But the condition of that job is you are every single week threatened with being fired. Do you want that job? I don't know. You t- Like I said, that's just an open question to the people who maybe don't side with the players or think that they're so... Like, could you handle always being at the threat of like losing your job and and again at a certain point when do you start saying for what all these guys love basketball they're passionate about basketball um and like i said i think the leeway even varies right like probably if you're at stanford or uc berkeley where that education is fifty thousand dollars a year you know 
then maybe you're saying, I have more of a tolerance for that kind of behavior. You know, again, right or wrong. I don't know. But like, I don't think that many people would function in that environment. I don't, I don't think that when they talk about, and when they talk about those threats of retaliation, like in collegiate athletics, again, they can kind of revoke your scholarship at any moment. And furthermore, to the transfer point, we asked the university, um, players said it in this last article, he refused to sign my scholarship release. He wouldn't release me from my scholarship. So you got to go file an appeal with the NCAA. I, in my reporting, from the players I did interview, I don't know that I found one player that was fully willingly released from their scholarship. That doesn't mean that they don't exist. I'm just saying I didn't speak to one. Um, and I asked, I did for the players that weren't released from their scholarships, I asked the university what their policy was. And they just, they really didn't answer. They referred to, I forgot what they said. I think they referred to like an NCAA rule on transfer. They literally referred me to like the NCAA rule book. Um, when I asked them that and it's like, do you have a Paul? I mean, can't guys transfer? Can't a guy just say, Hey, thanks. Sorry. I just want to go to another school. Is that so wrong? Like what, why, why would a coach, I'm sorry, again, not talking about humble. Why would a coach, why should a coach ever have the ability to not release you from your scholarship and make it harder for you again? And, and again, I know they're different students, but like no other student has to deal with that. No other student who wants to transfer to another university has to deal with the university being like, I'm not going to give up your transcript or I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not going to like, I just, that's really weird. And, and I'm, I am pretty passionate about just that in all of college athletics, that there doesn't appear to be any sort of regulation as far as what allows a player to move other than the discretion of the university. And I mean, of course, as, as you kind of see, not just here, but there's a lot of potential to abuse that system. An incredible amount of potential, yeah. which is incredibly scary for the students. I mean, if you're a student athlete and maybe you can't afford college and you come up, say, to HSU or Cal Poly Humboldt and you're recruited onto this team and you realize, I don't want to be here. This is a shit show. You First off, you can't transfer because he's not going to let you out. But even if you could, what I mean, what if? You're bad mouth to that coach, so they don't even want to give you a scholarship, so you can't even go there to play, and now you're just locked into this situation because you can't afford any other school without a scholarship, and you can't get a scholarship if this coach is talking shit about you and saying, no, they're not a good player. We're going to pull them. Again, that was the, right. I will say that was the opinion of of that player. that he And that's that probably he an extreme circumstance, derailed. but it seems like there are a lot of extremes going on in this I mean, like, like, circumstance. Uh, you know, that was that was his perspective. I don't know that I would doubt it. I don't know that I, I can't confirm it. That's for sure. I mean, it was his opinion. So I, I say that to just kind of maybe make that part of it clear. But at the same time, to go touch on something else, which was, yeah, so for guys that are from across the country, from elsewhere in the country, what, where are you going to go? The, the university has the power. If you are low income, the university has the power to all of a sudden make you pay for your housing. So your housing, where you had a place to stay, where you had a roof over your head, all of a sudden that costs thousands of dollars that you don't have. Like, you know? And then a lot of these guys come across the country, they may not have cars. So literally, how do you, what? How do you leave? Yeah, where are you going to go? Literally, where how are you going to go? How are you going to get there? And then so when the threat is, we're going to revoke your scholarship or you're going to be kicked off the team, 
There's no regulation for that process. Again, I mean, and again, I'm not talking about Humble, although I asked Humble if they had a process and they they never explained to me what their process was or if there is if there was one. Um, but for any university, like I said, as I was looking it over, there doesn't appear to be, it, it appears that the university has full discretion over that process, over team rules, over whether you violated team rules and whether that constitutes the point where we're going to revoke your scholarship and kick kick you off the team. Like when that's all arbitrary, you know, I mean, just like, I, I just, I, I just think that speaks for itself. Like imagine you're literally looking at being forced to pay thousands of dollars you don't have or be homeless. And then you wonder why do guys comply and why do guys feel trapped? Why do guys feel the need to to speak out and try and get and use whatever other resources they have at their disposal, which in this case is the fact that they're actually prominent figures. And as kind of shows by this article, when they decide to use their voice, people will listen. I, I mean, and but the, to the people that think that they shouldn't do that, that they shouldn't, I mean, that is, yeah, I am sorry. That is so insane to me that you would say that there's one form of recourse that the players have. One, it's their voice and it's in public media. That's it. That's it. I mean, you tell me. Because if they go as they did, as many of them did, they went to the athletic director and nothing happened. And I'm sorry, actually, I, I can say that definitively. We had emails. We saw the emails. We know that the university at least was infirm, informed by Caleb Giordano's father in February of 2022. He had explicitly stated, I forgot I, the quotes in the last article, he had explicitly stated that there was misconduct going on and, and, and abuse and, and that it made his son depressed in the men's basketball program. And what did they do? I don't know. I asked them. They didn't answer that. So, but yeah, like I said, when you have one form of recourse, like you're only, and people are kind of sitting there critiquing it, saying you shouldn't use it. You know, I just, I don't know what to, you know, like, I, I don't mean to laugh, but I just think it's, it's a laughable logic that you would say that people should be good soldiers and, and should just suck it up and just suck it up. Was that kind of the biggest critique you got was they, sh the players should have handled it internally? Yeah, it seemed that way. I mean, some of that, yeah, one of the emails that I got was also just questioning the language that they use. I mean, frankly, I, I thought that that was that was also just came across to me as bigoted. Um, obviously, the majority of the players on this team are, are black. That um, felt like that was it was bigoted that critique, and I, and maybe that's unfortunately so. I, I mean, I don't want to throw that word around, but if you're critiquing how people use language, you know, I could critique how people here talk, being that I'm from New York or that I lived in New York for five. And I say, oh, you guys use slang. Like, you could critique the way anybody talks. I mean, I, I think that that's a really rude, I guess, inconsiderate thing to say. Um, and aside from that, um, yeah, I mean, I think that they were, yeah, dumb jock maybe is the belief of these other people, is the, you know, critiques like that. I don't know. Um, by the way, I mean, just for the record, I will say, speaking to the athletes, speaking to their parents, I've spoken to a lot of different people. Um, you know, these are, these are really struck me. I, I've turned down stories from people that I felt like I couldn't trust. Um, I think these are a lot of people that come from really good families. I think that these were parents, the parents I spoke with were very, very stable. I don't think, 
I think they were all, you know, they were angry, but a lot of them were very reasonable people. Like, I don't think anybody was too, despite what they'd been through, I don't know that they were ever letting the anger or the frustration get the better of them. And even the players, I think, had really good statements. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it struck me as as people that had good head on their shoulders. Um, but that's my that was just my perspective. Were you a little worried? How did you get this story? Did one of the players reach out to you? Did you yeah. stumble across it? Um, I wrote the season recap. I wrote the end of season recap. And the parent of a player reached out to me. Um, and we had a phone conversation. Um, and uh, I mean, it just, it was literally, he's, he laid it all out. I mean, it was kind of crazy because the interviews, all these interviews with, again, I think it's 10 players from this year's team. Plus I guess another three from the 2020 team. So I think I'm up to 13 players, but, but 10, yeah, like nine, 10 players from this year's team. I mean, they all said the same things, but to hear it all from like one parent, in a phone conversation last about an hour. I mean, it was like, not that I didn't believe him, um, of that, that parent, but it was just like, wow. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and, um, yeah, yeah, he was, he was, he was livid. Um, and he just said, you know, you need to look into it. And, and I basically kind of asked, asked the parent, you know, um, yeah, the father, I'll say that because it's pretty clear that I'm saying it's the father of a player. So the father of a player, um, I asked him if he could kind of help give me, put me in touch with people. Cause it's like, I hear what you're saying. I, I just, but I need to start speaking with people then. And, you know, he kind of just got it started as far as, as, and can actually, I think connected me. I think the first couple of conversations, he actually connected me with other parents. So it did all start probably with conversations with parents. Um, um, and then it, it went to talking to the actual players. When you got that first phone call, were you a little skeptical? Were you a little nervous of pulling on that thread to see what you might find where you have been closely tied to the athletics? Yeah. I mean, sure. I mean, I obviously had worked with Cal Poly Humboldt a lot. I, I really know a lot of the folks in that athletic department. I, I'd always, I really actually, another probably separate thing that maybe I should have said way earlier is I never really intended to be, um, not that I didn't want to be an investigative journalist, but, you know, the story I always wanted to write was that, the, you know, Cal, the renaissance or the revitalization of this program and hopefully an NCAA tournament berth and maybe even a shot at a national championship. You know, that's what I want to write about. Um, that doesn't mean I'm not afraid to to write the truth. The truth is the truth. Reality is reality. Um, but if you ask me what I would rather be writing about, like, no, I don't want to have to deal with scandal. I think I'm equipped to do it. Um, and actually, probably it's better that to be reluctant, maybe in some ways. Um, probably makes you a little more cautious. Makes you a little more cautious, makes you a little more fair. Um, but, yeah, I, once it was... Once it was becoming clear, um, you know, I guess, I, I don't know. I, it just, it was what it was. Um, I mean, yeah, going back, I mean, what was it like with the athletics department? You know, I don't know. I, I think I do feel maybe a little bit, I, I empathize with this notion of like, you didn't, I didn't feel like maybe you were being totally honest with me. 
felt a little betrayed. Yeah, I felt like maybe when I write this stuff, and to this day when I ask questions, I don't always get the feeling that they're being totally. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I I don't want to. I guess accuse them of anything, but it, it, I think it would be helpful if they were more transparent. Maybe is that? I mean, is that fair to say? I don't know. I, it feels like the public, as a public university and the local community, would appreciate knowing a little bit more. I think I'd appreciate knowing a little bit more um, and getting a little bit more clarification. It doesn't feel like we're getting that. So I don't, I, what I should say is I don't mean to speculate as to what their reasons are, but I do feel like I don't fully understand it. I feel like, I feel like I'm still trying to get more answers. I think, I, I don't know if the public who read it, I get phone messages from folks who I think, and emails, who I think feel similarly. Like, I think they're just kind of wondering a little bit, just can can we get more of an answer from you? Um, so, yeah. Maybe there was a first part to that question I feel like I skimmed over. <laughs> no, I, I feel like you brought up an interesting aspect of the story is that the university's response seems to be severely lacking. And that was something I didn't fully understand as to why. It seems like these issues were brought up on at least a few occasions and nobody's done anything. doesn't even seem like they have a desire to even look at the story. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, you know, like I said, <laughs> I always get I don't pay nervous you. at commenting, but you know, you said it. I, I, all I can say is I don't think, you know, I know I got emails. I mean, I, I always am very like, hopefully if anything, you know, a takeaway could be that I'm, I try to be very diligent. So it's like, it, I'm thinking about what is the material I have that literally attests to what you're saying. And to that point of view, is that just my opinion? I do think it's a little bit more than that because I think I do get these anecdotal evidence, these phone call, these phone messages, emails from people wondering, uh, you know, can we uh, just wanting to better understand what happened? Um, I mean, I've, I think one email I sent to them, I asked about the hotels. For example, I don't think this was the only time I did it, but I, I do recall this pretty vividly. I asked them, is that true? You know, and and I it's I maybe people perceive that to be some sort of a loaded question. No, I I mean if you refute that, if you think that this account of events is not accurate, can you please tell me? Like I, I'm more than happy to hear your side of of the events. Um, is there an aspect of this? Is there context we're missing? Um, yeah, like if it helped me better understand, I I feel like is is what I ask. And I, yeah, I don't feel like, I think probably there is an element of it's just, it feels like I don't get answers that allow me to better understand or answers that, yeah. I mean, like I said, I'd be more than happy to hear if they had a refute of something that I've written and they didn't believe it to be true or they thought it was not fair or they thought the context wasn't fair um, or if they wanted to clarify the context of something. I would be more than happy to hear that, um, but I don't feel like they've ever, you know, I don't know that they've ever provided that statement. Um, I mean, one point now that I think we're still wondering about, I asked them and I want to know who is the, um, I think this is fair. I think the public would like to know 
um, what their investigation, like they, they said that they had retained an outside firm, I believe was what they said in their own statement that they provided uh, after the first article to, to do an investigation, like an outside legal firm, I guess. And I was, would like to know who the firm is. I, I don't think that that's, I mean, if you're saying you're going to have, you know, I mean, I, I, an independent investigation, I just would be curious to know who's handling that. Um, that doesn't seem like too big of an ask. That didn't seem like a very big ask. I don't know. But they, they said, no, we can't disclose that. And I said, okay. All right. Do you think they're hoping that it'll just go under the rug? <sighs> I shouldn't express my opinion. That's probably smart. You're a lot more measured than I am. And you, you know, fair, I, yeah, right, right. I mean, I it's I put the stuff on the page. I, I'm never upset that you asked the question. I hate to sit here and be like, I, I can't. Exp but like, yeah, I, I, my personal opinion. I have one, and I, I've, I've alluded to some of the way. I, I, I don't even know that I try to talk about my opinion so much as just how I view things in general. We all have our biases. We all have our things that have shaped our experiences, our different skill sets. Um, so I like to clarify that where I'm just coming from as, as a person who, who did this, um, who wrote this. Uh, I mean, I've... I, I went up there, you know. We I wrote. I still write about their girl, their uh, the women's soccer team. They're they're going to take a trip to Australia. I mean, um, I, I wish them all the best. Um, I, I've spoken to their coach, coach uh, coach Landy. Um, um, you know, I, I I like working with people in their athletic department. Um, but yeah, to that to your point. Yeah, I guess I can't comment on that. But it's weird that that. Yeah, it, we ask questions, and we just legitimately would like to have answers. Well, I think this speaks to your credibility a bit in the sense that you are—you seem to be very measured about the story. It doesn't seem like you have an agenda. It seems like you're just, again, pulling on the thread and trying to follow where it leads. You're, you, you're just trying to get this side of the story that seems to have been suppressed to some degree out, and then people can make their own opinion. Yeah, um, and I think that's yeah. I think hopefully that's good. You know, I hope. Well, I think that's the mark of a a serious and thoughtful investigative journalist in this sense, where you are uncovering the story. I think to have an agenda or to to go about it flippantly would be disingenuous to the stories of the players. So I think that's almost yeah, why it's yeah. it's a good thing that you almost didn't want to do this in a sense, or wouldn't have been your ideal story because that's why we're the perfect person to do it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I like uh, some parents had, had said that had been compliment had been nice. Um, and the fact that they felt that they could trust me with, with, um, their stories and that they felt their sons could trust me with, with their experiences. Um, which obviously that's like, you know, probably the best compliment. It feels like, I guess, whenever you're working on a story and you have sources and people that are trusting you with their story and their experience and their quotes and, and, you know, to have the faith of those people. But I also told them a lot to say is like, I have, I think, I think I've said this to, 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 to parents. Um, I had said, you know, just so you know, you can always tell me if you feel like I let you down. Um, if you feel like, if you have a problem with something that I wrote now, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Cause I may, we can talk it out and I can explain to you probably why I did or do. I w also wouldn't mind hearing that because maybe they're right. Maybe they'll bring up something that's super valid. Um, 
and I have to factor that in and think about it moving forward and 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 deal with the fact that maybe I didn't do a good job with my source um and and didn't manage that relationship perfectly or, or what have you um but yeah I think that transparency of just saying yeah like you can tell me you know you can, and like same with the university like if 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 this is wrong if you don't think I'm being this is if you don't think I have the truth um, I'd be more than happy to hear what you have to say uh, on the matter. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think it's a good way to go about it. I, 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 do, I do. I think maybe a different commentary could be that, yeah, I, I do know some journalists that probably people from my education, again, not speaking of anyone locally, but people from my education past, where it was just like they were so gun-ho in supporting um, and just advocating for their for their um, for their sources or what have you, and um, or being and being skeptical of power structures, um, which I mean, I, sure that's fair. That's probably a part of journalism is is uh, speaking truth to power and all that. But then they, some people probably just took that to an extreme where they had said, as an aside, I don't trust. Like in this case, it was a conversation I had with a colleague back in at Columbia in New York. They're like, I don't trust like police ever and i'm like ever i'm like that seems like just like a bad and not to open up a whole other conversation about you know we don't have to touch on that but i'm just saying that like it's a crazy blanket statement that's a blanket make. statement why would you make a blanket statement about anybody and say i'm never gonna i i'm never gonna trust you or i'm always gonna believe you or i'm never gonna be skeptical you know i i don't know that that's ever a good you know that that's ever a good way to operate i mean there's a lot of times too Again, like I don't know that I'd sit here and ever believe in right and wrong. I'm not here to tell you what's right and wrong. I'm here to tell you what happened. I'm here to tell you what bothered people, what they thought. I don't, I'm not here to tell you what, what's right and wrong. I, I think a lot of times we get stuck in this sort of binary thought of, and again, this doesn't have to do really so much with the basketball story, but but maybe a little bit. It's just like nobody's, you don't have to pick a side necessarily. It just is what it is. Well, and that seems like a foreign thought in media today. It seems like the role of a journalist has gone from let me just present the facts to let here's some of the facts and here's my interpretation of those facts. Yeah. And I mean, how do you eliminate that completely? We're all human. Sure. I'll, I'll defend that. You know, those that, th that again, that counterpoint. But like, I think a bigger view would be like, if you're looking for altruism, if you're looking for right or wrong, I would say that like, right is like, or altruistic or righteousness is here. Like maybe that's 5%. 95% of it is just people with motivation. And they thought that they were doing this and they thought like it, it you don't have to it just is what it like I said. I mean, sorry to maybe this is a stupid idea I'm trying to articulate, but it just kind of is what it is. It, it it's Well, it's like, not black and white. It's not you black can't and white. Put people in this box of yeah. oh, they're 100% this way or 100% that way. I mean, it's new we're dealing with people in these stories exactly. and people are nuanced. People are nuanced. Um, yeah, like it, 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 it. So people could be flawed. I mean, you could have a valid ex accusation, for example. Again, not really talking about Humboldt basketball at all, because, uh, but, but just in general, I think it's a lens that you think about it when you're receiving information. You could have. Actually, I will. I will use an example. I won't say what it was, but I'll give you an example. There was a story that a different publication published. Um, where it was 
yeah, kind of similar type of, not similar, but they had accusations. There was some accusations being thrown around. And the, it kind of felt like when someone reached out to me, because we didn't, it wasn't something that we ran, but somebody related to the other, a source related to that other story, kind of was, wanted us to pick it up and, and, and also report on it. And, you know, if you were, a, if you just wanted to take it at all, I just kind of wondered why, you know, why maybe, and actually not to say that their accusations weren't true. Um, I actually probably, when I did vet it, even though I never really pursued it, when I did have a look at it, I said, probably this accusation is true in my view. Um, but I didn't have faith in the source for whatever reason. Not that I didn't believe their accusation, but I literally didn't feel like I could work with that source. I, I just thought that they weren't going to be honest with me. And again, not that the accusation, not that the actual, but that something else could have come out. That's kind of a weird vetting idea. Like that something else could have come out that could have undermined, you know, it just struck me as off. It just, it just, it struck me as off. Is that a hard road to walk? That oh, vetting of sources? Because I've struggled with that. Obviously, you know, I've talked to people yeah. from a wide background mm -hmm. and I, after the fact, or sometimes during the fact, have come to realize that. I've just been sold a line of goods for the podcast, fully believing this person only to come to a realization later that it was all bullshit. Mm. And that fucks with me in a yeah. way. The realization that, oh, we talked for a couple hours and I couldn't see that. I didn't yeah. get that. And you just lied to me for the whole thing. I mean, it's hard. It's like... and But there's more pressure on your end. Because if I get lied to on here, yeah, I might not ever have them back or I might, you know have my own interpretations of how that went but you if you put something out there and then it it turns out your source lied to you like you're kind of screwed over for that yeah that's true i mean yeah it, it is like because it goes into where you're being smart and everyone will kind of say you didn't do your due diligence and that's probably fair right i actually like think that yeah like if if, if again if i took someone like that at face value and didn't vet their that way they were coming from or contextualize it properly, then yeah, that probably was a failure. And I probably deserve the criticism that might come with that if it was me. Um, I think, but yeah, people have come forward on, other, well, people got my email, you know, have my, my emails public. Um, it's uh, for, for the, for the time standard. And so people kind of followed up and said, Hey, by the way, you should look into this and that. And it is hard because it's, and it's not that I, I don't want to follow up with them. Um, I mean, really right recently, I've just been too distracted, um, with this, but like you do kind of be like, uh, you know, okay. So, you know, I'm sorry. I, I guess that would be it. If you had that conversation, you would just kind of say, I'm sorry, but I, I need more. I respect where you're coming from, and I'm not saying this isn't true, but this isn't enough for me to run it journalistically. And and you know that's what really are your standards for that? Are you looking into a person's past to see if they're reliable? Or are you kind of I think going well, off a gut feeling? Well, I think you have. Yeah, it's a little bit. Unfortunately, it is probably a little bit of gut feeling, a little bit of instinct. And and like I said, you could be wrong. I mean, probably if you're wrong, they'll go to another outlet and they'll figure out how to do it. And then you missed out on the story, and you can just you know be an idiot who didn't get it. Um, I think that's a better outcome than the other outcome, which is that you publish something that maybe wasn't true. That's disastrous. That's you. 
geez, good luck. Don't, I mean, that's just, you don't do that. Um, the, sorry, uh, could you repeat the question? Well, quick? just figuring out when somebody comes to you and says, oh, hey, I right. have this story, how do you how know do you you're going to go down that road with them? Um, I think it's, it is, I mean, generally you definitely want to look at it. You never want to just refuse it outright. And I don't know, it's so much about vetting their past. I think a lot of times it's about just getting supporting documentation, maybe even, or like, hey, can you connect me with other people? Actually, maybe I can go way back because this predates my time at the Time Standard. It was sort of something I was going to look at as a freelance project. But there is a company, pretty prominent company, um, that I know, well, I don't want to say that I know, but I feel pretty confident in the allegations that people were let, were throwing at them. Um, they, yeah, I spoke with some former employees of this company and yeah, they, they just, they had detailed instances that were just pretty insane. Um, I really won't, all these things actually were, as I'll get to, all these things were off the record. So I really can't give you much more info information, unfortunately, other than that, other than to say that it's a prominent, it was a prominent company and it was just unprecedented levels of sort of, and like this, sort of just culture, internal company culture that had just gone to an insane level. Um, but guess what? I spoke with like four or five people. None of them wanted to be on the record. None of them. They were all super skittish. And I got to a point where I think I got to the last one and I said, hey, if nobody's going to actually do this, like nobody's willing, everyone's going to be, then it's not going to happen. I believe you, but you're not doing anything close enough that could ever make this get published. So do you care about getting out there or do you care about saving your own skin? And they probably, I didn't, they probably didn't really trust me. That's okay. You know, at the end of the day, I can't control how they feel. Um, so they didn't trust me and they didn't want to go there and, you know, we scrapped it. It's kind of crazy because it's like I said, like I think that that stuff was true. I don't think that I had false allegations, but the the people were not willing to throw their weight behind it. Um, and so you do sometimes have to kind of, you, you don't want to pressure anybody, but you just have to be real with them and just say, yeah, this doesn't work right now. Like right now you haven't given me enough that I could do anything with it. Like this, this won't go anywhere. Like you got to throw more of your weight behind it. You got to have, you got to risk something, unfortunately, if you want this to get out there. Um, that's just it. Does that make or break a story if a source is willing to come forward with it and be on the record? And it's not just that, right? Like, like, cause guys, you know, for all these people that are anonymous, um, every single one of those things was recorded. So there's an element, as you can imagine, of discomfort as you explain to somebody, I'm going to be recording and you're going to state your name. And you have to trust me that I'm not going to reveal that. Like, that's kind of the level of trust that you are dealing with. Um, and that is sort of a testament, right, to the fact that, like, yeah, maybe they didn't fully come forward. But do understand that when we, 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 when we write that stuff, none of it is ever, like, notes. It's recordings. It's recordings with the people. They identify themselves. Um, so... You know, that there's a level to it. There's a level of, of coming forward, right? Of, of taking that step, taking that leap of faith. Um, and that's one of the steps. And then the next step, obviously, is to use your name 
and, and all that and, and throw your full weight behind it. We couldn't, you know, when somebody can't even get to the second, like, step two, which is I'm not going to use your name, but I need to be able to record you and hear what you're saying. It's like, yeah, you're not worth, I'm sorry. It's not worth my time. You're wasting my time. And, and not even to be narcissistic like it's my time. It's just like, it's not going to go anywhere. We're not doing, that's nothing. That's nothing. And it won't have an impact, unfortunately, because you can't try doing that on like, I don't know, try doing it on social media, which is just like an anonymous, like, you know, social media, like some, I, with that story, people did that. They basically like said stuff on social media on like anonymous channels, like Reddit type forums, things like that. Guess what? Nobody even has the slightest idea. Like that got no momentum. Like, and I still am sitting here. Like, I know that it's probably true, but like, what can you do? That just won't come. The people who have the information don't actually want to take the step to to bring come forward. And again, all I'd say, I do want to add again, nothing to do with humble, nothing to do locally, nothing to do with the time standard. Um, that all was like, yeah, well over a year ago, I think. Was it hard working with the students? Because it's, I, I believe Caleb was the only one that came forward on the record, mm-hmm. right? Was it hard? I mean, did you want the others to come forward? Did they yeah. kind of want to? Were they hesitant about doing that? I don't want to speak for them, but I know that that it's been talked about. I know that it's been thought about. I actually know that also, like, they're young men. Um, so actually, I, I can say that there are parents that I think I can say that there are parents that 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 supported the idea, um, and some that didn't. And some that didn't, and everybody's entitled, of course, to feel how they want to feel. I mean, I, 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 you know, ultimately, again, that's their choice. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, I totally, you know, they had valid fears of retaliation. Um, I did tell them that, like, I, I mean, from my perspective, I think I said this to to when that came up. This is what I said, and I don't have a problem saying this as well as I think that they would get a lot of, of blowback. I think that's kind of the sample we saw with maybe the emails and the Facebook comments or whatever. So it's like, there's not, not everyone's going to love you. Not everyone's going to make you a hero. Um, and I, you know, I'm just gonna, it, it is what it is. Not everybody wants to do that. I mean, right. It's kind of totally understandable when you have that empathy. Well, especially if you're going to get blowback for doing it. Yeah. What's the incentive? Like, I think, like I said, I think it'll be encouraging. I think it'll be helpful. I think it'll help to, it would help to solidify it, to have guys throw their, I, th- I mean, I thought it would be helpful. Like I said, I don't know how much, but I just think obviously it's, it's obviously it's better when people are on the record. Well, um, it, it adds some sense of validity in a weird way. Yeah. And you're willing to attach your name to it and say, hey, yeah, this a, is me. This is, it's a courageous my, this step. is my story. It's a courageous step. Um, I mean, all the credit in the world to Caleb, right? He was the only one. Um, who did that, and other guys had, again, perfectly valid reasons why they didn't want to, but, you know, credit to Caleb, he he looked at those reasons, he could have, he he and his father were like, no, we're going to do this for real, um, and not that the, again, not that the other people weren't doing it for real, but like, it, it is, so yeah, when, when I, when they asked me, do you think I should come on the record, I tell them, um, I think it would absolutely be helpful, I think I think it has an added level of impact. I, I think, I think it it will advance the story. I also think that you're going to get blowback. You personally are going to experience some 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 shit that you're not. That's not going to be pleasant. 
um, maybe more so than me, right? Probably more so than me. I mean, how unfair is that, right? It's I'm the one who write it, but I don't probably get crazy hate mail, but like you might, you know, people might dislike you more than they dislike me. That doesn't feel very fair. Um, you know, so I don't blame them. Like I said, I don't blame them. Um, that's weird. That's reality. Right. And that's, and that's where it comes back to it. Like I tell them, I'm like, that's just reality. Like, I don't know why, I don't know why you, you, it, it appears to me that logically it seems like you're probably going to get more blowback than I am. Like that feels wrong, but that also just feels like that's the truth. Did you get any pushback from the school when that first article dropped and they realized, oh, this is going this way? No, I don't think so. I mean, I'm trying to think of, was there anything? I Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that they've been, I, like I said, I would like for them to, to, to I, I have questions. I'd like to get better answers. I'd like to, to maybe, I think a lot of, as I said, like kind of echoing just what some people shared, which is I think it maybe would be helpful if there was a little more transparency. Um, but no, I don't think that they were ever, in my experience, no, I, I didn't feel like they, they were, anybody was, Less willing to talk to or they were less willing. People were less willing. People are scared. I mean, not scared. Sorry, that I, I don't want to assert that they're scared or, or whatever. But I think people obviously, it's like it's just higher profile. People are just like, whoa, yeah, I don't want to be attached to that. You know, you know, like I don't know. I don't hold on. I got to double check now. Like I didn't know that. You know, Jake, I didn't know that you do investigative stuff. I'm like, I don't, you know, which is it, kind of funny. I, and not that that was a literal interaction, but just that was maybe the general tone. Is is some people. I don't know. Um, but no, I don't think like, I, I mean, I worked, as I mentioned, I'm, I've been really happy to cover the women's soccer and their coat. They were doing fundraising. They're going to do a trip um, to the world cup. I mean, they made the postseason for the first time in like 15 years. And I'm a pretty big advocate of like, I don't know. I just, I, I my dad played soccer. I like women's soccer, I guess in general. I, I think it's a cool, it's a cool thing. Um, like, so anyway, yeah, I mean, I still work with them when I can, but yeah, there was definitely at the same time, there's, you know, there's some, some elements of it where it's like people are definitely probably pausing a little bit, um, or have a different attitude. Um, so it's understandable. It's understandable. The outside investigation, do you think anything's going to come of that? Cause one of the shocking things, and I want to put this out there when I was reading your articles that really hit me as, okay, this is a little uncomfortable is that the coach would just randomly show up in the middle of the night to these players' houses. I mean, we're talking like 11.30, 1 in the morning, send people home that are all hanging out to get, like, just a weird atmosphere. Think, okay, you want to be tough when it's practice and when we're putting in the work? Okay. Then you're going to show up at my house in the middle of the night when I'm asleep and then just make sure I'm there and then leave? Like, what, what kind of weird power trip dynamic is that? And, of course, some of that was COVID-related. And the players said that. But do you think if a t if your professor came and was like, "Hey, I just wanted to make sure you're home. I'm gonna go now," that would be slightly yeah, uncomfortable. I, I mean, I think the content speaks for itself, for sure. Like, I think the quotes speak for themselves. So, uh, like I said, I tried to pay maybe like devil's advocate. Is like there were some rules in place. There were some concerns going on at that time, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say other than, like, it speaks, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, I don't know that anybody wants somebody coming to their house at 11.30 p.m. Uh, that That's probably fair to say, right? Do you think that investigation 
will amount to, I don't know what you would say, consequences, a change in the structure? Or is that just wishful thinking? How about I just say this? I, I, I can't comment on it because I asked some questions about it and I don't feel like I have enough answers or information from the university to even formulate an opinion. Um, but maybe I can say, again, coming back to that same point, it's a little bit weird that there are, we're not getting answers, maybe. Uh, I don't know. And again, I, I don't mean to frame that in a crazy way, but like we would all like to have more clarity. Um, so what can you say when, when I, I don't know? I don't know. And I, I've asked and I didn't get answers as far as I asked who was conducting the investigation. We'll probably have more questions for them. And, um, you know, and, and there, there may be, yeah, we'll probably have some more questions for them. Um, and I'll keep trying to get answers and, and hopefully they can, there can be a discussion, uh, or, you know, an opportunity to get more clarification. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think, I don't know. I don't know what to say other than to say, it's like, I, I don't know enough about it. And that, that, one would think that it would be better to know more about it. Um, for well, the I think public, everybody feels public, that way. Yeah, for a public university, right? I mean, I think that's, yeah. I, I think, and maybe I will say that doesn't, it did strike me as potentially, like a, another question I had that I think, like I said, I think you kind of can deduce by asking this question is like, what is the precedent for not revealing the, investigate the nature of your independent investigation. What is the precedent for a public university doing that? I don't really know the answer, but I will tell you, I couldn't think of a precedent. I've never heard, like I, I that was foreign to me that a public university would, would retain a firm to conduct an independent investigation, but then didn't provide information, you know, then declined to answer questions so to speak, um, or, or, or maybe, yeah, I mean, I think that's what they said. I think they said they couldn't comment on an ongoing investigation. That was their response when I asked them who was conducting the investigation. I mean, I just think not having that information out there, like you said, I think it breaks precedent, but maybe I'm wrong. Hey, I, you know, if they want to, I, I will probably ask them that exact question at some point, um, um, in an email, I'll be like, Hey, what is the precedent for, in addition to your reasoning, like, again, we, I would like to hear it in your own words. What is the precedent and what is your reasoning for not, um, yeah, not, not providing that information? Well, you have to think it, it's, if you're in their shoes, it's, it almost feels like the fire is getting cranked up a little bit because if they had knowledge that all this was going on and deliberately chose not to do anything, yeah, it's kind know. of a rough choice. And I don't know. I, I don't know how they feel. They when you said I I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you said even you were surprised because you were so close to this and you didn't see any of it. So I wonder how much of that is applicable to them as well. That's yeah, sure, right? I mean, I in I, some regards because they did I, go I to the athletic director. And stuff. I definitely yeah, like I empathize with that on on definitely um, where it's like. Yeah, like, I mean, that's an important point to make. Again, I, I really care about being honest about myself, which is saying that, like, I was there every game, and I didn't, strictly speaking, see behavior that crossed a line. I didn't personally witness behavior that crossed a line. Um, or at least not, 
yeah, it was borderline. Like I, I would say it was borderline, but it was tough to say. Like I said, I mean, I, I witnessed other coaches do other similarly wacky things. So I think that's on your mind too. Um, is I don't, you know, we just, there's so much, you're just seeing just the top 10%. And then, like I said, I think the players accounts help provide, you know, what they had to say provides perspective onto that other 90% that we don't see. Um, cause we only see that top 10% of, of the, the surface level of what's going on. Um, so, but all that to say, yeah, I empathize with people in that athletic department that maybe did not process it or didn't know where it was at or if it had crossed a line at the same time though again i won't shy away from this because this is a fact they i have an email well i i mean i witnessed the email and again i asked them can you deny this are you saying like this isn't true am i looking at a fabricated email i mean I, i didn't feel like i was but like i'm looking at these emails where you were notified not just a couple weeks not just during the end of this you know, in the second half of this past season, which is where it started. But now I, I've seen emails from, again, February 2022 from Chris Giordano. I cited it in the article, which explicitly alluded to the idea, to the notion that there was misconduct in the men's basketball program and that he was seeking clarification. He was in that email, February 2021, seeking clarification. And Chris will, t- you know, I spoke with Chris and I don't know that he ever got that clarification. So all I can, and you know what, whatever, I, I, all that aside, again, coming back to it, all I know is I can say you were informed. You were informed. And, you know, that's probably as forceful as, as I'll be because, again, uh, some of it's other people talking, but I can, I mean, I like stuff like that because it doesn't allow me to say I've seen documents that show that it would, it would appear that you were informed and you have not told me anything to the contrary. Um, I've asked they haven't so informed and changed nothing presumably i mean that's so crazy i mean also it's again i i do wonder i just always thought that we would have i mean maybe a different whole point to this is with like caleb and again i always just feel we're kind of maybe commenting because obviously he could he could first of all yeah caleb not to be super partial or I, I always want to be impartial to, to but you know if you talk to him he's obviously an insightful young man um who 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 has a lot of who's got a lot of thoughts and, and probably has a good head on his shoulders I would say um the you know he played at San Diego State they were in the national championship this past year even even then even a year ago that's a pretty high profile player, right? Like, you know, he's not just a D2 guy. Like he has a, an affiliation with a very high profile basketball program. I would think that you would acquiesce the concerns of someone like that. I guess that, again, I don't know. I don't want to take it too far, but I would just think that if it was, you know, if, if, that just it seems like a high profile player you would want to be very mindful of what someone like that has to say and i and i don't think it's it's yeah i don't think that that's crazy to say that he's a high profile basketball player well and it sucks i mean at the root of all of this it sucks for the players yeah. i mean especially someone like Caleb where you do leave the potential at this one school to come over to another where you think you have the potential to create 
something equally as good and then it you know, just evolved. And another weird thing about that too is how hard it is for these student athletes. And I mean, take from this what you will. Like I said, this isn't just Humboldt. This is like the whole the whole thing maybe. Like I, we had a conversation. He's hoping to resume his basketball career, but for years he had no idea of this sort of NCAA rule that basically it appears, again, I'm sorry, I'm looking away from this. It appears that you can, unique to the D2 level is the fact that you can pause your eligibility. Um, so if you, for example, if you are a Division One collegiate athlete, say you play your freshman year, play your sophomore year, you're 20, you drop out of college. You just drop out. And then you say, hey, I want to play football again, and I'm 23. You actually, your clock just keeps running. So from year one, whether or not you're in school, it's year three, year four, and then potentially year five because of red shirts or COVID in this case. Um, so your clock just runs out. But if you actually go to the D2 level, and that's your last, I believe, again, believe I'm explaining this correctly, um, but I don't, I'm not an authority on it. This was all kind of secondhand information that I'd received. Um, so if you're at the division two level, you can pause your clock. So you can exit school, but because your last institution was a division two institution, you can actually return to that institution. However many years, I mean, there might be a limit on how many years, but several years later, potentially you can come back to the institution or not even the same institution, a different division two institution and resume your athletic career. Um, you know, I, yeah, I did mention this. Uh, and I, I, I think Caleb's still in the, you know, he's optimistic and exploring what his options are. He, of course, his situation is, is his own and is unique to him. But when we did have that conversation, he kind of later got back to me and, and said, hey, I think, you know, I think you're right about that. And that's crazy that nobody told me. Like why, 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 why didn't he know? Why doesn't who? Why doesn't anybody tell him? And, and why? And again, just kind of why? I, I do. Like, if nothing else, shouldn't there be an environment where if a guy's exiting the university, there's some sort of packet where guys are kind of given information on how they can better take next steps. I mean, regardless of if there is disputes within teams, between coaches, between players, shouldn't there be someone at the administrative level that says, you know, that's separate from that, that just gives you the information you need so you can proceed with your life? I mean, uh, I feel like that to me, again, I'm not really trying to single out. I think that there's multiple universities that probably have that same gap. But why are we not arming the young people with that knowledge? Why, why, why aren't they empowered to be able to to make that decision? Um, yeah, and 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 yeah, I just think that that I, yeah, I don't think it's a stretch to say that feels like that would be the right thing to do. Wasn't Caleb also the student who was forced to? retake classes he already completed yes. and was screwed over along that yes. line. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was an NCAA letter that quite literally said that he was misadvised. I mean, I have a copy of it. How often does that happen? I don't think anyone would argue that it's difficult to fall through the cracks in higher education because there are yeah. some pretty big cracks. Probably, I'm sure, I mean, I when I thought about it, I did feel like maybe that was something that maybe other just college students could empathize with. 
um, and just kind of, but it, it's especially tough where it's like he advocated that that was, you know, according to based on what he said, you know, he had said, I advocate, I told them that I didn't, because I'm just coming from another Cal State school. I don't know why I would be taking the same classes. And then sure enough, yeah, again, according to him, uh, that, that was his story. You know, he said he was 27 credits behind um, based on the courses he took while at Humboldt. Like that, that was the educational setback. Um, so, yeah, I mean, actually, there's some work to be done as far as him resuming his career. I think, um, I mean, again, don't want to speak too much for him, but, but I know that he that, that could have been an obstacle as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, he was not the only person who brought that up. Although it it didn't really make it into other articles, uh, yeah, he was not the only person who brought up academic advisement, um, which is why I probably brought it up. Which is why I brought it up, but I didn't. I didn't end up quoting some of those other players that had mentioned it. Um, I guess th- those players, I can say the ones who mentioned it were from this past year's team that it came up, and maybe not to the same extent, right? But they had concerns, so that that was that. Yeah. Definitely, that was the reason why I made sure that I, once I had hard evidence, like the NCAA letter, um, that I made sure that I put that in the article because I think it's a worthwhile question. What do you think that stems from? Is that a result of them switching to this Cal Poly stage? Is oh, that just I don't incompetence? Think, yeah, I don't think it had to do with the Cal Poly because that was when it was still Humboldt State. I mean, maybe, maybe that had to do with it because they were probably initiating that transition. But that's pretty alarming if they're leading the people that are supposed to know are giving the students incorrect information and causing them to do something that outrageous as repeat classes that they don't need. Yeah. I mean, I would say a devil's advocate in their defense. It did seem like there was a lot of confusion around that. Like it, again, with him being a full 20 set, I don't know if that's just a Cal state problem, but whatever, you know, I don't know. I come back to, again, kind of the hard evidence, which is just like, well, when the NCAA is saying that you misadvise people, that seems pretty serious. That's a red flag. That seems like, I I mean, I asked, I think the question I did ask them, I, I think was, what did you guys do in the wake of that when you, when you were made aware of the misadvisement? How did you remedy, you know, what is your policy sort of moving forward? How do you avoid, keep that from happening? Um, and I think they just sent me a policy, a list of policy on, on progress towards degree requirements for the NCAA, I believe was, was their response. So Humboldt's getting a lot of rough press lately, justly so, but you have the housing situation that's unfolding and the, their barge plans or whatever. Sure. You have this Avenue, you had some, uh, I don't know whatever happened to it, but some Racist acts, I guess, would you say, back during COVID? It seems like Humboldt is just struggling. I don't know if that's a on account of poor leadership. I don't know if they're just trying to find their footing. But it's not, it doesn't elicit comfort or a sense that they are on a great direction. Yeah, I don't. I was always, one thing again, is I always kind of was, I believe that the university and again, this isn't to excuse behavior or what have or, or excuse the university, but it's also not to um, slander the university, is like, 
I think if Cal Poly Humboldt, like I know a lot of people are concerned about the expansion of students. Um, like ultimately, I just think if you look, I know that housing is an issue. That's a whole other separate issue to tackle within Humboldt. But like ultimately a thriving university community is probably good for your economy. Um, it's probably good for the economy here. It's probably it's probably a good thing. Um, so to, in their defense of trying to be ambitious and how they try and expand, I actually do think that ultimately, like, I, and again, it's just that's sort of a precedent thing. If you look at other similar areas, if you try and come up with a similar, you know, apples to apples comparison, it's usually like that stuff's pretty good for your economy and pretty good for, for local business. And just in general, probably it would be a good thing for, for the Humboldt community, honestly, um, if done in the right way, of course. That's the key. I don't uh, think it's bad that they're going down this route. It's just them imploding along the way would not be beneficial for anybody. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think, I mean, you alluded to questioning their leadership. I, I don't know that I want to say that. Maybe I don't know enough. Um, and again, just me being a jerk. I definitely don't know enough, by the way. Let me throw that sure. out there. I'm out here just <laughs> swinging from the hip. But, that's... but people felt that way. I yeah. mean, there was a protest. Students protested. I mean, there seems to be a question of how much faith. It does appear that there are people like those students protesting, among other things, that question, you know, don't have a complete faith maybe in the direction of the university and maybe in, in the leadership of the university. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, it's tough. Like you, everybody, it's almost the same as like, you could even go back and actually, I mean, I don't know. I, it, I'm trying to think of what I want to, how to articulate this. Um, Everybody wants to thrive. If everybody could thrive and everybody had great decision makers, I mean, you know, it's hard to find good people, right? Everybody would love to have have good people. So there's challenges and people navigate it and maybe they I mean, how about let's go back to like previously, like maybe what happened and I wasn't here for that, but I knew of Humboldt. I'm from the Pacific Northwest. Like so I knew of Humboldt. Like why did Humboldt State maybe find itself in what I would say maybe appears to be a decline from up until they these past five years. So up until I guess losing football five years ago in 2018, um, you know what led to that? Uh, was that a sound? I don't know that that was. I mean, I've heard rumors. This is definitely not anything I'm reporting, other than just just you know kind of hearsay and rumors. But I've heard rumors that they really wanted to get football back, and it's like, well, why did you ever get rid of it? Um, if, if you're now just going to be in the position of trying to bring it back, I mean, that is, that's, and again, that's across multiple administrations. So it's not any, you know, I don't know that I can say it's any one person's fault. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know how to even articulate it other than to say that it didn't appear that any one person was responsible for the trajectory of the university. Um, it does feel like, it's just been in tor turmoil for a little while. Um, but ultimately, like I said, I mean, I don't know. That That's maybe not my purview. My purview is just to report on reality. And and what the reality is, is as far as what I know, is that these players were talking about, you know, spoke about a culture of dysfunction. Well, it's an important story. And I think it's, I think you did a good job covering well, it for yeah. whatever that's worth. I, I mean, think, thanks. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I think 
Yeah, we don't know. There will be, I, I did even want to maybe say that this, these first three, there probably will be a different schedule. I know each of them had come out on a Sunday, so they were sort of weekly. We'll probably be pausing that. Um, so there probably won't be one, probably won't be one this next Sunday. Um, and mostly I'd gotten through, there's more material. There's more stuff that I could, that could be reported, um, but probably needs more work. So I think we've gotten it so far. Everything that's out there is, is all that I wanted to get out there. Um, but yeah, there's still more. So there's, yeah, I mean, there's a lot we haven't covered. There's a lot we have covered. So that's interesting. But I, yeah, it, it'll be good. I mean, and that's why I wanted to come and speak with you this week. I knew that I kind of had an idea that we'd get through the first, there would be three articles. Um, and then after the third one, it would probably be a pause and, and then reevaluate what the next steps would be. Um, but like I said, it's not really, one thing that's interesting is it's not a result of a lack of material or, or stuff that we, that couldn't, that wouldn't be new. Um, so that's, yeah, it's an interesting position to be in. What's the pause a result of? Just the necessity um, to dig through it more? Um, one aspect of it is that there is some other very serious stuff. There is some other very serious stuff that needs to be really, the details need to be clear. We need it, it, it can't be done halfway. Um, and we could go look into some of that stuff and maybe find out that it's maybe it's not worthwhile. So maybe I, I should still choose my words carefully as far as speaking def in any sort of definitive terms. But like, um, yeah, it, it, we did have, yeah, there was still some stuff that we needed to dig into. Um, and it probably another part of it is time. Um, I will just say, like, we want to see, I, I mean, I think I said it, said it in an email, so I'll say it here. Uh, we would like to see, as a newspaper, I would like to see as a reporter their expense reports. Um, they're a public and funded institution, and I would like to see how they spent their money. So take some time to get those records, but I imagine that eventually we will receive those records, um, hopefully, in the interest of the California Public Records Act and and the Freedom of Information Act, that we would be able to see that stuff. Um, but yeah, like we need to, you know, so that that's kind of where it's at. It's like there's still some stuff where the picture, you need to present a complete picture. I mean, hopefully the articles that have been, they come across as a mostly complete picture and not something that was, that was I mean, there is other stuff that could be included, but that they're not really done halfway, that they, they paint a complete picture um, as far as what those accounts were and what those allegations are. But yeah, we have, there is other issues that need to be looked into. Um, so it's not even just like, oh, there's one more. It's like, no, I mean, it, and like I said, maybe I look into it and I say, hey, there's not enough. And so we can't ever, that won't, that can't go. That's not ready. That needs more time in the oven or whatever. But like, at the same time, I have, yeah, I, I do think that there's about four other, I don't even want to put a number on it, but there's multiple other articles that could potentially be written. Of a pretty substantial weight? Of a pretty substantial weight. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a comforting feeling, man. It's, <laughs> it's yeah, not great, right? Yeah. I mean, it's weird. I It's weird to kind of be sitting here and, and talking and. 
secretive terms. But I want to be fair. Like I said, all that is, it, I mean, of course, there's considerations, legal and, and just responsibility and, and being fair. Um, but yeah, it's serious stuff. It needs to be looked into. There's other, other things that need to be looked into and that a decision has to be made about how that's going to be characterized. And, and um, yeah, I mean, and there, yeah, it's, there's, I couldn't even narrow it down to one type. There's sort of a lot of implications that need to be maybe ruled out. Like I said, maybe they need to be ruled out and you say, all right, actually there's not enough there. We're not going to comment on that or we're not going to publish on that. Um, then maybe you look into it and then there's something there and then you have to, you have to do your due diligence and present that information to the public and, and, and give them a complete picture of, of, of what is out there. Well, I'm excited to see what, what comes of that for you yeah. and where it goes. Yeah. I mean, one, what was I going to say? Um, feels like maybe we're wrapping up. I don't know if you yeah. want to go. <laughs> I yeah, don't know we, how long are, we've been going. We've been, we put in some time. We're almost at two hours. Here. Oh, are we? Yeah. Jeez. I know time flies. You come into wow. this room and it's like, what is, wow. what's happening? Um, yeah. I mean, I think the, the last thing I, I, I do maybe, yeah. Like, like it is just interesting, I guess, to come back to it is just to give them the, the response I think has been, I, you know, I get these calls and, and people are, are supportive, um, which is cool. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you, you know, like I said, I, I, I hope, I think the best, personally, maybe my opinion, is the best thing is for, um, you know, Cal Poly Humboldt to be thriving and to be doing well. Um, like I said, I think the expansion, if done in the right way and, and with the right considerations, could be really good for this community. But, it, uh, you know, I do think that there's a lot of questions that so far haven't been answered. Um, so, it, yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I, I also just, there is, maybe one last thing too, though, is like, yeah, I think I can speak to this. Just make no mistake, as far as maybe basketball is concerned. Like, I think this is a very coveted, like I, th there has been progress. I mean, give it, maybe give them some credit. I don't know who deserves that credit. Um, but like, as far as division two universities go, like you, you're talking about a pretty solid arena. You're talking about pretty solid location for, for a university, you know, a small community where people, you know, it's not like Cal state, um, you know, San Marcos or, or Cal State LA, where it's like you're the sixth or seventh university, whatever, maybe in that area, just honestly, in terms of athletic considerations, you know, if you're Cal State LA, it's like UC USC, UCLA, I mean, whatever, you name it. Um, so there's a real potential, I, I would say, and, and I've said this to the athletic department in earlier conversations um, in the past, just of trying to be encouraging, like there's real potential to to build something um, there. Um, and, and I, I mean, again, I, I think it would be, I, you would of course hope that in the long term that the university is thriving and that, that people are doing well here. And that, um, I think there's a real opportunity for people to want to come here and maybe, like I said, for athletes, it's interesting that there was disparities in these recruiting pitches, because I actually think if you're picking a division two university, this is pretty, probably pretty solid area. You know, you can get away kind of maybe get some peace if you like to be outdoorsy, maybe if you just want to focus on basketball, maybe, you know, maybe you're from a metro area, you know, there's a lot of appeal, um, and a lot of potential there. Um, 
And so, you know, obviously, hopefully all the best. But then it's also we have unanswered questions. And, um, you know, I, I'm, unfortunately, I'm not sure that I'll have I'll be able to find all the answers. I think the university maybe has the answers. Um, maybe they don't. But but I think there's questions that still have to be asked. And questions that they still need to answer is what we're looking at. Presumably. Okay, well, Jake, this was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on you. and talking with me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, thanks so much for having me on. Thanks a lot for kind of, I guess, supporting, you know, kind of local journalism and all that. I mean, um, I like to think that 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 hopefully this is, you know, where we where the mission. I mean, for at least for I will just maybe real quick for what I do. It's just it's 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 it is nice to feel that there was an opportunity to maybe bring something to the public light, and and hopefully the public feels informed, and and hopefully you know. The, the public maybe will um, feel, I guess, inspired or I don't know, maybe inspired is the wrong word, but maybe they'll just be interested to, to see what we do moving forward and other things that we cover and and uh, and all that because I, I think that it, it's important. It's important. Good journalism is very important. Yeah. I, I, obviously, I think so. I yeah. Mean, yeah. A little biased. <laughs> yeah, but... I'm probably pretty biased. But yeah, yeah obviously, um, yeah, I like to think so. Do you want to plug where people can find you, where they can find your articles, all your stuff. Um, sure. Um, I mean, obviously, so like time standard is, um, boy, what is our website? I mean, if you ever want to send any tips or you ever have a perspective or you want, you know, my email is J Matson, J M A T S O N at times dash standard.com. Um, I think our website is just times dash standard.com. I'm literally going to look it up. I'm like, is there the dash? I'm like, uh, yeah, it is. It's times-standard.com. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. I guess also I, I, I'm kind of cursorily on Twitter, I guess, as many journalists are. But uh, So it's just at Jake Matson. Um, but I, a lot of that might be me. We could have a whole separate conversation, me talking about the NBA or the NFL, where I just am spouting off my my nonsense sports opinions. <laughs> um, um, so, but yeah, I, I think the main thing though is, yeah, it's, you know, it's the time standard and, and that's it. And, um, but yeah, I, I, you can follow me as well if, you, if people are interested in, in my work and, and whatever else I do. And I would definitely recommend people read those articles because they're well-written. It's yeah. There's some impactful stuff in there. I think it'll be a good takeaway. Maybe people. the last thing is I, I'm so sorry to everyone that they're so long. <laughs> they're, I realize they're long, but it was amazing to go through that process. And you're just like, what do you even cut? Because we're already – there's so much – like I said, there is so much on the cutting room floor. There is so much that we didn't use that we left out. It's And it's astonishing that even after that, it's like – I think just short of like three, like 2,750 words. It's like, it's, it's a, so yeah, if you take the time to read it, like literally, thank you. <laughs> I promise that like, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I know that you're taking some time. So anyone who, who takes the time and gives the, the, the attention to it, like literally authentically, thank you. I know that that's, um, that that's a commitment. Okay. Well, Jake, this was great, man. Really. Awesome. We'll do this again. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Thank you. Thanks guys. Thanks guys.